everyone, and welcome to the English Like a Native podcast, the podcast that's designed to help you to improve your English. In today's episode, we're going to talk about a very British tradition, afternoon tea. And I'm very happy to be joined by my very good friend, Charlie. Hello. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. I'm really, really pleased that you decided to join me today. So, Charlie, how do you feel about afternoon tea? Well, food in general is probably my favourite topic to talk about. And afternoon tea, I like it very much. Um, I suppose it's one of those things that I don't have. It's a treat for me. And it's something that perhaps me and a family friends will do on a birthday or like I say as a special treat rather than it being something that I do regularly at home um, but I have to say that life has got rather boring for me because I try not to eat too much refined sugar trying to be healthy so that does change afternoon tea a little bit for me um, but the joy of afternoon tea is that it's not all about the cakes. <laughs> well that brings me very um, nicely onto what afternoon tea actually consists of, because some people may never have experienced this tradition. So afternoon tea, as the name suggests, obviously has tea as a, a main component, but it also consists of sandwiches and scones and pastries or cakes. So let's start with the origins of afternoon tea. It actually started back in the 1840s with the Duchess of Bedford, Anna, I believe her name was. She was hungry between lunch and dinner. And so she asked for some sandwiches and some, some cakes and pastries to be brought to her. And she enjoyed doing this. So she did it again and again. And eventually Queen Victoria dropped in. <laughs> she was obviously working in high circles back then, um, back then, as if she still survives now. Queen Victoria joined her and this then became a tradition because once the Queen does something, at least in the past, everyone took note. So sandwiches. Now, the sandwiches of an afternoon tea are quite delicate. Uh, as far as I know, you tend to cut off the crusts. And if you're having afternoon tea in a restaurant or a hotel, they actually serve them as little rectangles. Is that your experience? That's true. Yeah, crusts cut off and they're meant to be like finger sandwiches. So it's also meant to be very delicate, very dainty and something that you can hold with one hand and eat in a very ladylike fashion without necessarily spilling the contents down your lap or getting your face or fingers all mucky. Absolutely. Because one thing we haven't mentioned is that afternoon tea really now is a social thing, isn't it? It's about spending time with your friends and family or maybe even uh, a business event. So you might take your clients out for afternoon tea to discuss business. So you don't want to be there with a mouthful, two hands <laughs> on your sandwich, having a mouthful of food and then trying to discuss things. So all very dainty, very light um, savory part to the afternoon tea. And also because you're going to have dinner afterwards as well, right? So not eating crust. I mean, that just makes me think of what my mum always used to say is that you have to eat your crust because crusts make your hair curly. Have you heard that? 
I've heard that or that you'll get hair on your chest. <laughs> if you, if, you, if, you, if you do. Oh, if you do or don't. If you do. If you, if do, you do, you'll get hairs on your chest. Yeah, I'm sure I've heard that before. I obviously recognised that that was a load of rubbish. <laughs> so I enjoyed the crusts. I think I prefer the crusts more than any other part of the bread, to be honest. Really? Yeah, especially if it's... um. Like I love the end of the bread as well. I know that's quite controversial. Usually people, you know, fight for not having that the end of the bread, but I, I like the end of the bread. And yeah, a really crusty crust. Do you know what the end of the bread is called? It has a name. I only the found this out recently. No, it's called the heel, the heel oh. of the bread. I, I think I've got that right. <laughs> I'm sure my listeners will now be Googling the end of the bread. Is it called the heel? Yeah, yeah. I think it's called the heel. Okay. Um, yeah. I only have that if we are running low on bread and I'm desperate for toast or a sandwich, then I'll have it if that's all there is. But otherwise, but it also tends to be thicker. It tends to be thicker than the rest of the bread. And I am someone who loves thick piece of bread I remember my family always used to um, laugh at me and still remind me of this of me of this to this day that when I was a little girl I was a little bit overweight when I was younger and partly because I loved bread and butter and we would get unsliced bread and so I would come in and try and cut myself a slice of bread and it would start at the top like a a proper slice you know quite thin and then it would just get thicker and thicker and thicker like a wedge a wedge we used to call it a doorstop and then I'd put butter on it and I was happy in heaven absolutely oh, <laughs> in bread yum. heaven bread heaven white bread butter wow. massive wedge very happy do you eat much bread now no <laughs> I think in order to in order to maintain a weight I suppose I recognize that for me and this is purely personal bread I, I can't enjoy too much bread I love it and I have it again as a special treat but I do enjoy gluten-free bread mm-hmm. there are so many varieties out there actually that yeah. uh, brown bread uh, so I don't allow myself to have too much but when I do have it I am reminded of yeah good times when I was younger <laughs> <laughs> So if you are enjoying afternoon tea, what kind of uh, filling would you expect in a sandwich? So generally, you can expect things. It depends on where you're going. But usually you'd have, was it salmon and cream cheese? Mm -hmm. You'd have maybe egg mayonnaise. Cucumber sandwiches. Oh, cucumber sandwiches. Cucumber sandwiches. It sounds it sounds so wrong, but it's so good. Mm-hmm. But you've got to have them fresh. You've got to have them at the time that you're making them because otherwise the liquid, the, the moisture from the cucumber gets into the bread and it makes it soggy. Yeah. And we don't yeah. want that. We, we don't, don't want that. soggy sandwiches. We don't want soggy sandwiches. Coronation chicken. That's another one I've seen quite a few times. Yeah, that's kind of like a, a curried chicken isn't it that was actually invented for the queen's coronation yeah yeah mm-hmm. absolutely with apricots oh. in it dried apricots it's delicious i'm a vegetarian but um i can still enjoy it with fake chicken um <laughs> but yeah so delicious it's definitely worth a try yeah and prawn mayonnaise of course yeah prawn mayonnaise yeah and with the egg you mentioned egg mayonnaise and that could be like egg and cress yeah it would be egg mayonnaise with cress or um egg mayonnaise with tomato sometimes yeah 
Yeah. And then you might have a ham and mustard, just a, a basic yeah. kind of straightforward or a cheese sandwich. Cheese sandwich, cheese and tomato. But again, it's I suppose it's also making sure that, say, with the egg, you've got to have the mayonnaise and things like that to make sure it, it binds together. So again, when you're eating it, it's not all falling out all over your lap. No. Now, thinking about cucumber sandwiches, I, for a very short time, I don't know if you know this, Charlie, I worked uh, at Buckingham Palace. I didn't know that. You didn't know this. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> this was actually after we were at uni together. And uh, when I first moved to London, I was very poor. I'd been a student for years and had no savings. Moved to London to come and do my master's. And I just took all the work that was available to me, which involved, you know, doing waiting on jobs. So being a waitress and, and a hostess and things like this. And I ended up working for a company that supplied the wait staff for the Queen's garden parties. Wow. And so I spent a summer serving, you know, some very important people uh, in the in Buckingham Palace Gardens. And the, they served cucumber sandwiches there and it had like a, a mint oh. uh, kind of like, like dressing on it as well. It mm. was absolutely delicious. And the thing with cucumber sandwiches is they have to be on white bread. It's definitely oh. a white bread sandwich. Well, at least that's how the Queen has it. Really? Yeah, yeah. And it was so structured as well for the Queen. When she would come out, they'd be saying, right, the Queen will appear at the door at 12.05. So that's when the tea must, the the pot must be boiled. And then she will make her way through the crowd talking to people. And by um, 12.13, she'll be taking her seat. And this is when her tea bag must go in and it must sit in her her teacup for, I don't know, she probably didn't have bags, actually. I didn't prepare her tea, but um, <laughs> it was very rigid, yeah. the, the schedule for serving her tea and, and food. Wow. So, yes, that's what I think of when I think of cucumber sandwiches is, is royalty. Yes, it's definitely seen as a very posh, you know, people would say, well, that's quite posh. Yeah. I think cucumber sandwiches. Yeah, yeah, and you take the skin off the cucumber, don't you? So that's, yeah, at least that's how we did it there. And um, moving on after our little selection of sandwiches, you move on to the next part, which is scone or scone. <laughs> There's a lot of controversy about how you pronounce this word. Is it scone or is it scone? How do you pronounce it? Well, to be honest with you, I think I've said it both ways several times in my life, but I think scone is what I tend to go with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, from what I'm told, that is the majority rule. So the majority of people do say scone and that's considered the most correct way to say it. But some people do say scone and that's okay too. Now with your scone, you will have jam and cream. That's the custom. You can't have a scone without jam and cream. But the question is, in what order do you put the jam and cream onto your scone? It's definitely different, isn't it? Is it Devon and Cornwall? They're the ones that determine, you know, some will say in Devon it's one way, in Cornwall it's the other. And I don't know the answer to that. But I would probably say I don't have the cream, I have to say. But if I was, I'd probably put that on first because it's like the butter, right? And you put mm-hmm. the butter on a sandwich first and then the cream. So that's what that's what I would do. But I think yes. it's personal preference. I'm really impressed that you know about the the, the Devon and the Cornwall 
a thing there. But um, the answer to your question is Devon, they say that you should put the cream on first. So anyone in Devon would suggest cream goes first and the jam goes on last. Mm. But if you're in Cornwall, they say that the jam goes on first and the cream goes on afterwards. I think I'm like you. I think I put the cream on and then the jam. Yeah. Yeah. Do you spread it or do you use a spoon? Oh, I use a spoon. Yeah. But then I do flatten it out with the spoon so it's not too messy. It's funny because I don't like cream and I will not have cream with anything else. It has to be a part of the scone. Yeah. Okay. Ah, yes. You know, I'm just a jam, straight jam. And the yeah, scone has to have raisins. It has to have raisins. None of the plain. A fruit scone. A fruit yeah. scone. None of the plain stuff. Yeah. So you can have a fruit scone, which has got raisins, currants in it, or um, a savory scone, I think it's referred to. If it, is, if it isn't a fruit scone, it's a savory scone. Or you have cheese scone. Oh, you can I've get never scones. had. Oh, yeah. Scones with cheese now. So what do you do with those? Put butter on them? Butter, or you can have a sort of cream cheese and chive oh, spread oh very nice yeah. and do you like your scone warm I do yeah. yes yeah I mean I will accept a cold scone but if it can be warmed oh, delicious yeah because they can yeah. be quite dry I think it can dry your mouth out but if they're warm it's they're just a bit softer and they melt a little bit more in your mouth yeah, mm. yeah <gasps> I'm getting definitely. hungry now I know me too <laughs> <laughs> So after that, if you're not completely full by this point, then you're going to move on to the the cake or the pastries. I think traditionally it was just cake. So you'd have um, a Victoria sponge if it was uh, summertime and you'd have a fruit cake, some form of fruit cake if it was wintertime. But from experience, when you go and have afternoon tea these days, they will have a selection, a variety of all sorts of different pastries or cakes. And they're usually quite small, little delicate things, very beautiful, very hard to finish at all. So I always need a doggy bag Hmm. to take away the leftovers. It's funny that it's called a doggy bag. For those of you listening who have no idea what I'm talking about, if you're eating at a restaurant um, or a cafe and you haven't finished your food, but you're done and you need to go, because you're full or because time is pressing, you can ask for a doggy bag. And this means that they'll take the food and place it into a takeaway box or bag so that you can take it home and finish it off later. Now it's called a doggy bag, but it's not for dogs. (laughs) No, and it makes it sound horrible. I know. (laughs) But it's a very nice thing. Very nice thing because the food is so delicious and sometimes it's even better the next day or cold. And plus you don't feel like you're insulting the restaurant by uh, not finishing your meal. Yeah, absolutely. And usually you pay a lot of money for, for the afternoon tea, so you don't want to waste anything. But um, do you have, you're a really good baker, actually, aren't you? You bake your own cakes. I do. I I like baking. I wouldn't say I'm great. There are some things that I'm better at than other things. I feel like I'm known for my Christmas cake and I have orders now. At, as I'm coming up to Christmas, people put their orders in for my Christmas cake, which is a very heavy fruit cake with then a layer of marzipan and a layer of icing over the top of that. But with a very and, special ingredient. 
Yes, brandy. There's quite a little bit of, and I think that's probably why mine are so popular is because I'm a little heavy handed with the brandy. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not allowed to drive when you have a slice of my Christmas cake. So I really enjoy making that. Sponge, I'm not so bad with. Meringues, I've never mastered the art of meringues ever. Really? What do they do? They just end up sticky or, or not rising properly? <laughs> Burning them. Oh. Just, yeah, not, not, but I, I think out of cooking and baking, so making more savory things and baking sweet stuff, I definitely prefer the sweet stuff. I think it's my decoration at the end that perhaps is a little lacking. The taste, the flavor is good. <laughs> the decoration. I remember I tried one year to make my sister a cake and I was going to decorate it like Hansel and Gretel. <laughs> and so what I wanted was to make a roof out of cereal. So say like Weetabix or shredded wheat or something to make it look like a thatched roof. Then I was going to have sweets around the window frames, all of these things. And I had this perfect idea in my head <laughs> what it was going to look like. And it looked nothing like that. The cereal kept on falling off the roof. Oh, no. Yeah. And just everything that I had in mind, you know, it just it looked like a mess. It looked like an absolute mess. So it tasted good. It tasted good. Yes. So we enjoyed the taste and Harriet sort of raved about how good it tasted. But there were no photos. (laughs) Oh, bless. Bless. I I made Jacob's my son Jacob's first birthday cake because he has a dairy allergy, as you know, and I wanted to make the most delicious cake, but because of the dairy allergy, I had to, I think I I used banana to bind it or something. Um, And I put it in the oven and the instruction said, you need to put a knife into it when the time is done. And then if the knife comes out clean, it means the cake is cooked all the way through. I know where this is going. I know where this is going. Okay. I kept putting the knife in and pulling it out and it kept coming out sticky. And I was like, oh no. So I kept putting it back in the oven for a little more time, a little more time until eventually it had been in the oven for twice as long as its original bake time. And I thought this can't be right. And it was starting to go black and hard around the outside. So this is just burning. So I took it out and I cut it in half and I let some cool and I tried some and uh, it was it was delicious. And then I realized the reason it was sticky is because of the banana. It was always going to be sticky, but I now burnt the entire cake. So what I had to do was like carve a wedge off the top and off the sides just to save the softer stuff on the inside. And then I think I used green icing to, to decorate it because all green uh, you know the kind of softer not the, the hard icing oh um, you, you know like you mix with butter but I used like a mar- yeah it was a mess yeah. it was oh. a mess and so I bought a cake <laughs> to go alongside it for the guests and lo and behold hardly anyone tried my cake oh I would have tried it I love banana cake and actually not eating sugar bananas naturally sweeten mm-hmm. the cake without having to use sugar and it's amazing yeah. Plus, you know, and you can hide a multitude of sins with icing. So I would have tried it. Oh, thank you. I tell you what is great, actually, that we've recently discovered is putting a mashed banana in your porridge. Have you ever done that? No. Yeah, it's great. When you're cooking the porridge, mash up a banana, throw it in, mix it in as you're warming the porridge through. And it just, oh, it's absolutely amazing. We did it once 
just by chance the other day because mm. we always experiment with flavors of our porridge. And now I don't like porridge without a banana mashed into it. It's lovely. Oh. It, plus, it's a good thing to do with bananas that are going quite brown. Yeah. You know, when on if you were just to cut it up, it would be a bit gross. But yeah. mashing it up, it's great. The other thing you can try as well is mashing a banana with an egg and frying it. As a pancake. That's really good too. Yeah. Yeah. We do that sometimes. Um, we tend to have very messy breakfasts, lots of cooking and, and mixing that goes on. Anyway, we're digressing. Let me pull us back and to the most important part of afternoon tea, which is tea, of course. Tea. Now, some people will serve Earl Grey and um, in most places you would also expect English breakfast tea. But what do you like, English breakfast or Earl Grey? I am definitely an English breakfast or builder's tea kind of girl. I do like Earl Grey, but I just feel it's a little bit too fragrant for me. I, yeah, I, uh, English breakfast all the way. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. English breakfast is definitely the most commonly um, consumed tea in the UK. It's funny you said builder's tea because when people say builder's tea to me, I think about how strong the tea is. A builder's tea is when the tea bag has been in for a very long time and it's almost like the spoon is standing up on its own because it's so thick. Yeah. Oh, well, then that's not me because I like my tea quite milky. Right. Yes. I know we have a friend who it was is from Yorkshire, uh, a mutual friend, and I remember getting into a lot of trouble with her once because when we went to the theatre together, we were going to share a cup of tea because we didn't have time to have one each. And you know those little um, packets of milk you can get, the little pots yeah. that, that come sealed? I put the whole thing in. I put, you know, this whole tiny little pot of milk into the tea. She went crazy at me. She was so cross with me because typically up north in Yorkshire, they like their tea like builder's tea, very, very strong. And I, it wasn't even strong and like weak enough for me but my, she got really cross with me. So I <laughs> vowed never to share a cup of tea with anyone ever again. Well, it's, it is personal preference, isn't it? Everyone yeah. likes their tea differently. I don't like my tea bag to stay in the cup for too long once the water's in because I don't mm. like it strong at all. I can taste when the tea bag's been in for too long. Mm. Um, if the tea bag stays in for a very long time, we call the tea stewed. Yeah. So if the tea is stewed, then for me, it's quite bitter. And in fact, there's a brand of tea called Yorkshire tea. So we have things like PG Tips, Tetley tea and Yorkshire tea. And Tetley tea tends to be naturally stronger. I, they might use a different um, type of tea leaf or maybe they put more tea in the bag. But it is a stronger tasting tea, isn't it? Um, but when you're having afternoon tea, they tend not to use tea bags if you're somewhere really posh, they'll have loose leaf tea. And this is where it's not in a bag. It's, um, well, what is it? It's like in a strainer, isn't it? That you, you put the loose leaves into a strainer and you pour the water through the strainer. Yeah, so the, the loose leaf herb, the tea, is put into the tea, into the tea pot with the water. And then you have your tea cup. And you take this strainer that you place over your teacup, then you pour your tea and then the water obviously goes through the strainer into your cup. And then the loose leaf, the tea, 
is then caught in the strainer. But you have to make sure that you definitely do that because there is nothing worse than taking a mouthful of tea, realising that the loose, the herb, the loose leaf tea is still in the cup. Floating around. Yeah, that's not 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 good. Yeah, when you accidentally split a bag. Yeah, you're making yourself a cup oh. of tea. That's just not nice. Upsetting. It's very upsetting. Yeah. Now, um, some people like to have milk. Obviously, you like a lot of milk. So you'd have milk in your milk jug and then you'll have a little bowl of sugar. I'm assuming you don't have sugar in your tea. As... I don't have sugar. No, you can have sugar or sugar cubes. That's always cute. Mm. And then they give you that little the, the metal tongs to take your cubes out of the little sugar pot and then plop it into your tea yeah so yes yeah. And, and in some places they might say one lump or two yeah <laughs> so it could be a lump of sugar a lump of sugar or a, a cube of sugar yeah um I don't have sugar either we're both quite healthy in that respect uh, we actually both worked in the same place didn't we we both worked as the dental receptionist uh for oh. a dentist in London when we when we both lived in central London uh, which I always think is quite unusual. I think you maybe put me onto the job when you were leaving. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, but I think when you work in a, a, a dental setting, you can't help but become hyper aware of what things are really good for your teeth and what's really not good for your teeth. Yeah. Plus you get bad looks from the from the staff and the dentist if you're sitting there eating sweets or chocolate or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So some people might have lemon in their tea have you ever experienced afternoon tea where they brought out slices of lemon for you to have that's usually with an earl grey so I think I don't know I think it's I don't know it's more or less common but usually you would have earl grey tea without milk and a slice of lemon in it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had it it's refreshing it's nice but I think I'm programmed to think sort of tea should have milk apart from I do like a peppermint tea Oh, or yes. or a green tea so I wouldn't have milk in those mm-hmm. but um but I'm not a fan of the Earl Grey with lemon no. peppermint tea is my bedtime drink so once I've got the children to sleep we try not to eat after six o'clock so we eat dinner with the children between 4 30 and 6 and then we take the children up and start the bedtime routine and I tend to emerge at like 8 30 9 o'clock after they're down and uh, then have a cup of a large cup of peppermint tea just to you know have something soothing but that's not um, got any fat or calories in so that I'm kind of on this like like this intermittent fasting I need to get 14 hours of no no calorie intake Mm. Um, and yeah it's really nice I love peppermint tea fresh mint tea as well that's quite nice I like having that when you're away and they bring you the the peppermint tea fresh mint tea and then when they pour it so like if you're in um I think it's Moroccan the Moroccan thing Turkey where they lift the water up high they lift the teapot high as they're pouring the the liquid into your cup it's it's, like aerates or something yeah but it's just so it's just very cool watching you know that that that's the tradition Mm -hmm. um, the way that they have their tea it's very cool yeah, yeah. I did watch something yesterday about the etiquette of stirring your tea. So we tend to just turn off teaspoon in a circular motion. But apparently, if you're following proper etiquette, very posh etiquette, I think you do something like 612. So you're almost running the spoon 
across oh. the cup rather than spinning it around. That's oh. supposed to be good to help the sugar dissolve and okay. not to spill. I yeah. Don't know. Sounds oh, and unusual. Then, then you have to take the spoon out and then glide it like along the rim of the cup in order to get rid of any drips. Right. And then place the spoon on the saucer mm-hmm. rather than just pull it out and drop it down onto the saucer, obviously taking excess tea with you. Mm-hmm. You just yeah, slide it, slide the 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 spoon along the, the rim of the cup to get rid of those extra drips. Place That's it down. Thing. When yeah. you have a cup and saucer, because it's not typical now in, in a British home to drink tea with a cup and saucer, we drink tea from a mug, mm-hmm. which we just refer to as a cup, but it's a mug technically. But when you do have a cup and saucer, do you hold the saucer up to your to your face (laughs) Um, up to your chest and then lift the cup off the saucer so you have it close in case of a drip or do you just lift the cup off the saucer leaving the saucer on the table it's really interesting actually now you're saying that I think what I do depending on who I'm with and where I am will depend on my demeanor do you know what I mean and how I hold myself if I feel like I'm in a rather posh place um, then I probably will I will change the way that I eat to be more refined uh, more refined more ladylike shall we say so in that case I probably would bring the saucer up as well and and hold the um handle handle thank you with my <laughs> finger fingertips and then bring it up to my mouth and then pinky little pin- pinky showing no apparently you shouldn't do that apparently that's the, that's the opposite yeah of what you think it means but yeah so I I do that I do do that but if I'm with friends or I'm just having a coffee somewhere and they've brought it to me in a cup and saucer, then I will probably even stick my fingers through the handle, grab the mug or grab the cup and then drink it that way. So it completely depends on where I am mm-hmm. and, and what I'm doing and what's expected of me. I yeah. Suppose. What version of yourself you're portraying to the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm not trying to be not myself, but I just recognize in certain places and situations there it should be a level of like I say, etiquette and things like that. And uh, that, there's that an should... expectation of behavior, yeah. isn't there? Yeah. Um, I think that the cup and saucer is ideal for holding a biscuit. So if you, and actually, particularly if you are not sat at a dining table, if you are um, maybe sitting on a lounger or like a couch or in chairs, but there's no, uh, maybe you just have a side table. But if you help, if you're holding your your little saucer and you've got your little biscuit on the side, mm. and then you can dunk your biscuit <gasps> if that's allowed <laughs> into yeah. your tea. <laughs> <laughs> did you see the Queen do it at Buckingham Palace? Did she? Oh, I thought, I thought you were saying, <laughs> did you see the Queen do it? Oh, or you're asking, did I see the Queen? I'm asking. Uh, no, I I wasn't really able to watch the Queen eat and drink. Oh, that was yeah, she. You, she would go to her own kind of um, marquee. That was oh. only um, she would have special vetted uh, servants, waiters, and people to oh. look after her. And I was looking after people like Margaret Thatcher and other oh. VIPs, but not oh. her. Okay. Um, so I didn't see whether she dunks her biscuit. I'm sure she probably does in private. Yeah. Did Margaret? Did Margaret Thatcher dunk a biscuit? Well, we didn't serve biscuits with the tea. They had oh. their they had their cucumber sandwiches and their their pastries. Oh. Yeah, maybe that's a, why you can't dunk a pastry. That would just be messy. No, no, that, <laughs> that's too far, Anna. Too far. <laughs> now, afternoon tea, drink wise, obviously tea. You would never really see people drink coffee, but how about alcohol? 
Have you ever have you ever drank like champagne or some sort of sparkling wine with yes. afternoon tea? Oh, yes, absolutely. It's oh, it's lovely. It's because again, like I say, it's often for a special occasion, a birthday or something like that. So to have a glass of prosecco. Now I'm maybe controversial, but I'm more of a prosecco fan than I am a champagne fan. So yeah, a glass of prosecco when you first sit down, and that can be quite nice as well. Before the the sandwich or the food comes out, is mm-hmm. to sit and enjoy a glass of prosecco first Very and have a loosen cheers. you up. Loosen me up, absolutely. Yes, I think they call is it high tea? It's a different name when you have alcohol. Oh right, I mean I've heard of high tea, but actually that's something for me to look up. I don't know the difference. Yeah, yeah you but, can have um, yeah different versions. Interesting, you mentioned about being controversial with prosecco, but I think actually prosecco is everyone's go-to in the UK because mm. it's cheap. It's cheaper, and you know, unless you can afford to buy champagne on a whim and have that as part of your afternoon tea. Champagne is reserved for very special occasions otherwise because it's so expensive. And actually, I think someone of of, of an average palate who doesn't taste wine for a living wouldn't really be able to tell the difference between champagne and Prosecco. I might be saying something very controversial here. (laughs) But for most people, Prosecco, it hits the spot. It does the job. Two very common phrases there. And um, yeah, it's much more affordable. So Prosecco yeah. all the way. And obviously, as we know, Prosecco from Italy and Champagne from France. But I always like to have a piece of fruit in my Prosecco. So a strawberry or mm. a raspberry just to offset the sharpness sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I love it when the fruit's been in there for a while and you finish a drink and then I'm very unladylike and I grab a spoon or a fork yeah. and I scoop out the fruit. <laughs> or if no one's looking, I use my finger to scoop oh. the fruit out and then yeah. eat that. Yeah, I use my fingers, fingers all the way. Yeah. Yeah. So our afternoon tea, obviously, very yummy, um, very sweet. And also because of the like the pomp and the the event that is afternoon tea, you have to have a very nicely presented table. So you would often have like nice clean white tablecloth, which is always a worry with me because I tend <laughs> to make a bit of a mess. Um, and you might have um, a, a placemat or one of those large dining plates and then your actual plate on top which I never really understood but actually that large dining plate is acting like the placemat isn't it mm. um, and then you'll have your napkin which will be a cloth napkin not a paper napkin and that will be nicely folded maybe held with a, a napkin ring which is just a, a ring of metal to hold it nicely my mum used to do the paper napkins, but she would fold them in like a fan, you know, design and and have it in the glass or um, put it out on the, on the plate. Mm, I remember at Christmas or on Sunday lunches, sitting there for ages, folding all these napkins to make them into fans. Uh, That was always fun. I've never been round to yours and had a fan napkin. I think I'm going to make sure that you do that from now on. (laughs) Well, now the children are getting older and getting in control again, and we can have nice meals once more. Um, and then we talked about these, these cups and saucers and it would be the, the best crockery would come out. It's the stuff that gathers dust in the cupboard most of the time. But if you're hosting a meal or afternoon tea at home, then you'd get your fine china out 
of the cupboard, dust it off and show it off. Um, and then it's always nice to offset everything with a, a bunch of flowers, isn't it? I love flowers. Yeah. Always, always got to have fresh flowers, fresh ones as well. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And I think people are going crazy now for table decorations. I know that whenever I'm having a dinner party or having a party of any description, I will pay particular attention to how I dress the table because I want it all to look just look really pretty and it to be part of the experience as well. And I think when you go to a restaurant or a special place to have an afternoon tea, it it is part of the experience is how the table's dressed. And also how they deliver the food comes in tiers as well. You have plates for your sandwiches at the bottom and then the next tier up tends to be the scones. Or nowadays you can have things like savoury muffins and things like that. So they'll add an extra, (laughs) an extra level to that. Then you can have the cakes on top of that. And again, they come out beautifully presented. And yeah, these are called cake stands with multiple tiers. So you have the plates layered up on these lovely cake stands. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And you talked about, you know, different places that you might experience afternoon tea. We've already spoken about restaurants, but some hotels also offer this experience as well. So even if you're not staying at that hotel, you can book in to go and have this experience of afternoon tea in their restaurant. Um, and notable places in London, for those of you visiting the capital, um, are Claridge's, The Ritz, Selfridges, Harrods and Savoy. So these places do very posh and probably very expensive afternoon tea. Have you ever been to any of these places? Uh, have I? I feel like. I Do you know, it's awful. I can't remember. I feel like I have been to one place, but I can't remember. The other thing to say is that you have to dress appropriately. If you go in jeans and you're looking quite scruffy, they will turn you away, which I think in some sense it's quite nice because I think it's nice to have a sense of occasion Mm -hmm. and it's nice to make an effort and have standards and things like that. So I think I, I'm a, I'm a fan of that. So formal attire or formal is it like semi-formal? Semi-formal. So you, you don't have to obviously go in a ball gown and uh, top hat and tails, but you'd have to wear nice trousers. And you, I think you can actually wear jeans, but, you know, smart ones where you're, mm-hmm. they're tailored and you've got the rest of your outfit is put together. Mm-hmm. So you have to look presentable. Gosh, it can be embarrassing to be turned away, wouldn't it? <laughs> It would be. I think they do it very, I think my brother's been turned away. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Um, and I think they do it very uh, nicely. They, they're very kind about it, but they say perhaps it's not appropriate or do you have so- something else? And I think trainers, you're not allowed to wear trainers. They may have changed things now, but I know traditionally and years ago when I perhaps would have gone, you did have to present yourself accordingly. Mm-hmm. But one of the best places, actually, I'm going to say two places that I've been to the best for afternoon tea. And this will tell you a lot about me. You already know what I'm like. But my sister and I went to, I think it's called Lady Diner's Crazy Cat Emporium. Right. Where you have afternoon tea surrounded by cats. Now, some people will be sitting there going, that's very unsanitary and that sounds gross, but it's right up mine and my sister's street. And you, you walk in and you get a table And then all around you is decorated purely for cats. So you'll have a tree in the middle of the room. 
that has branches that the cats can walk along. And then you've got loads of cat beds all over the place. Uh, and I remember Harriet and I getting there and being all fussy about the cats, like, oh, so cute, and just wanting to stroke them, all the rest of it. But then the food came out and we were like, right, forget the cats. Let's concentrate <laughs> on what's important. And it was a delicious afternoon tea really delicious not just because of the cats but the food was really yummy that's interesting I wonder how much of your positive experience and the positive environment actually informed your taste buds and your um, perception of the food because it can be altered by you know your mood Mm. and your um, experience of, of the surroundings yeah this is this true it's true but I do think the sandwiches were extra specially delicious right they also gave you a choice so I think I chose all vegetarian options and they had lovely things that I'd not had before like sun-dried tomato and hummus it was really really yummy and um, they came in little rolls as well rather than just the slices of bread so Mm -hmm. it's just a little bit different and I think we had a few more savory savory treats as well but it was really yummy and then the other place that I went to was up north again, New Yorkshire, visiting a friend. And the reason I think I like this afternoon tea, because there was nothing delicate about it at all. The sandwiches were full on, huge like sandwiches. doorsteps. Yeah. You then got a choice of a quiche or a pie, and then you had a slice of cake. So you absolutely needed a doggy bag by the end. But wow. I just thought, now I'm getting my money's worth. This is <laughs> this is amazing. But you certainly wouldn't want your dinner afterwards. It wasn't afternoon tea in that sense. No, no. Well, I am certainly feeling hungry now after talking about all this food, and especially when you mentioned pie, Mm. because I am a northern girl at heart and you can take me out of the north. But when you when you bring up the subject of pie, I just my stomach's like, give me some favorite. Well, my well, I mean, I am what's the phrase I was a vegetarian and then I wasn't a vegetarian and now I'm trying to be vegetarian again but taking small steps so I'm trying to cut out uh, red meat for example and any processed meats like or smoked meats like bacon and hams and things like that so I just eat chicken and fish at the moment but phasing that out um but my favorite pie is like steak and ale pie or meat and potato, which they don't do down here. We don't have meat and potato pies in the South. Um, but they, I think they're just really rich and filling pie. I mean, pie is generally a quite, you know, filling. They're quite comforting, heavy mm. um, meals. But, yeah, the the richness of of a, a steak, a steak and kidney or a steak and ale pie with the gravy, oh, it's just delicious. Well, they call it comfort food, don't they? Because it's traditionally something you'd have on a cold day to warm you up. And like you say, it's the hug in a food. You know, it's a way of feeling comforted, as you said. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Charlie, thank you so much for joining me and talking to me about food and tea and in particular afternoon tea. We'll have to get together and do it together. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take yeah. you to Lady Dinah's Crazy Cat Emporium. I would love to go. <laughs> I'd love to go. I actually saw it on the news and oh. um, remember thinking how wonderful an idea that was. So yeah, I'd love to do that. All right. We'll do that.
Fantastic. Well, thank you everyone for joining me on today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. You can download all of the transcript and interact with that learning more English vocabulary. Just use the link in the description. Until next time, take care and goodbye. If you're interested in improving your English and working on your pronunciation, then why not check out my courses on www.englishlikeanative.co.uk.